in order to have new output, you have to put new input. Nothing new is going to come out if you don't put nothing new in. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. So welcome, everyone. We wanted to share with you today... I will go on record and say, hands down, the number one tool for growth and expansion that I, I, would you agree? Game changer. The number one game changer for us. So I want to just preface this by letting you know that I was super resistant to doing this for a long time. I had been around many, many uber, uber successful entrepreneurs who I knew were doing this and I still refused and I refused because of, I would rather be comfortable than push myself to actually do this. So I'll just preface this by telling you that when I started hanging out and, and being part of really high end networking groups, uh, I'm talking really, really high end entrepreneurs, most companies, like most networking groups, you have to be at least a seven-figure earner, and there were eight and even nine-figure earners in these groups. What I started to deduce as kind of I'm like looking out at this field is what's the pattern? What are all of these people doing, right? What's the commonality? And obviously, they're on all different businesses and all different ages and sexes and religions and races. But the one thing I noticed after talking to these people time and time again was that the smartest people in any room that I was at were the people that read the most books. Now, that might sound super simple to you. But as I was noticing this time and time again, I thought to myself, okay, clearly there is something to this. Then I found out that Warren Buffett spends 80% of his day reading. 80%. So eight hours a day, he is just reading. And this is the smartest investor of our lifetime or or definitely one of. One of the things that I think you guys all know, if you want to know where you're going to be 12 months from now, it really is predicated on two things. One, the people that you surround yourself with, right? Which obviously encapsulates the conversations that you get to have. And two are the books that you read. And I will add implement, it's like, you know, one thing to just read a whole bunch of stuff or listen to a whole bunch of stuff, but it's a whole other thing to implement. So once I figured that out, I realized that I would like to do more and more of this. One of the things that as we realized this, I was like, okay, there's no such thing as I don't have time, right? It's the, the actual statement is I don't make time. Okay. Cause Guess what? Me, you, and every other entrepreneur or every other person on the planet, we all have the same amount of 24 hours. It doesn't matter how much money you make. 
it doesn't matter how kick-ass at life you are, you still get the same 24-hour clock, right? So people that are reading voraciously make that a priority in their lives, okay? So when I started figuring all this stuff out, I have two kids and they wake up early. I also have a deep, deep love of sleep. I mean, I love sleep. I love sleep. I hate waking up. All of it. We call that death, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And the game that Guy and I are playing, the game that we are committed to is way bigger than my comfort, is way bigger than me being, you know, have time to sleep. And so it was a choice, right? The choice was, am I really willing to improve myself and be one of the greats, like one of these, you know, really, really successful, super smart, huge impact people, or am I going to sleep? Right now, when I say it like that, you guys are probably like, well, dumb, you know, duh, shithead, like read, you know, but for me, it wasn't that easy. And it wasn't that easy because I didn't think that I would, would function well if I didn't get enough sleep. Like I had all sorts of excuses, which you guys probably do too. So what we want to talk to you about today is the difference that a morning routine can make for you. And we're going to challenge you at the end of this to play with a morning routine for the next 30 days to create one that works for you. We're going to share what works for us. And we're going to offer you a challenge to go and create that for yourself. Because here's the bottom line. I promise you, and I've interviewed hundreds of super successful entrepreneurs. I promise you that every single one of them has a morning routine, some different than others, some longer than others. That doesn't matter to me. But there's a difference when you say to yourself and to the universe and fuck the ego and fuck willpower and all that stuff. And you're like, this is urgent to me because my life depends on it. And this is the only life that I have. And this is how I'm going to play it. Because if I play it any other way, I'm going to regret it when I get to that finish line. If I get to the finish line, right? And I can tell you that our success level, our ability to impact people has skyrocketed by pretty much the virtues that we're going to teach you today. Okay. And and the the morning routine that we have, and we're going to kind of break down like what we do, what we've seen help, what hurts, all that kind of stuff. So you guys have a really, really good place to start from, but this is key. I, I mean, I cannot stress enough how big of a game changer this is. All right. So I'll let guy kind of start walking you through what he's done. I'll, I'll tell you what I've done and then we'll tell you kind of why from a science background it works and why from just a, you know, you try it out and it'll work. Absolutely. I mean, for me, uh, you know, the, the relationship started changing after meditation, after I went to Vipassana, uh, my personal literally physical experience of time changed and suddenly I required less sleep, which was interesting immediately. Um, it felt much more alert than usual. And then because of that, I was immediately wanting to implement that into my, uh, into my daily routine. And I don't remember how did it actually get started that we did this, 
it, it was like kind of these light conversations and then you kind of started doing things, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, been, it's been close to a year now, right? I'd say at least 10 months, 11 months since we've been co- consistent. Mine actually, it consistently started for me when I came back, when we came back from Israel. So no, this was in okay. April. But I remember you've been listening to books like every morning for, for like a while. But like oh, the, yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. the whole thing didn't start till like- But it, my actual like strict morning routine started. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So for me, uh, it was kind of like together, Elon and I, like we see each other doing stuff. And if one guy's doing it, you feel like the schmuck not doing it. So <laughs> 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 yeah, my point is, there's like consciousness around these type of things. So I started with meditation and that just became an integral part of my life uh, since last November- uh, and I can't imagine going through my week without it. Honestly, it's just not the same. We started looking at the things like Elon said, the successful people do. It was clearly reading. It was clearly journaling. And we felt very strongly about meditation. Uh, and after listening to some pretty interesting personal spiritual leaders, stuff like that, uh, we started looking for the commonalities between them. So I can tell you for me right now, uh, the way that I operate in my mornings. You want me to go into this or do you want to share yeah, it? Yeah, why don't you just go through your routine? Yeah, so so my morning routine is uh, I don't wake up quite as early as Elon because uh, he's got kids and I don't know if he would do it without it right now if he didn't have them. But I, I basically block off a two-hour time period in the morning that I call like my genius hours. And that is 30 minutes of meditation in the morning, usually 25 to 30 minutes of meditation in the morning. Uh, right after that, I will listen to a book uh, on Audible um, I have like a little Amazon Echo. I just play the audio for 45 minutes. I put on sleep timer. And sometimes I, I go for more if, if I'm into it. And during those 45 minutes, I'll also stretch. I have a roller. So I just like wake up my body, wake up my brain kind of at the same time. And then at the end of that, I will just kind of create an inquiry for myself and I'll journal about it. The other thing that has become for me uh, ultra, ultra important is to do a uh, forgiveness exercise every morning. Uh, this, in the last few weeks, I feel is one of the more profound things that I'm doing. So really all it looks like is just going back through our, our 24 hours and the last 24 hours of my day and just thinking about like the little triggers, like the things that you don't really pay attention to, like somebody not holding the door for you and getting you getting agitated or like even between me and Elon, like a communication that like left me not feeling empowered or something, which is something that happened yesterday between like our uh, calendars. And, and that's something that actually comes up a lot for us. Cause Elon's like very calendar driven. I'm like, bah, 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 you know, like, and then there's like stuff about what it. What calendar? What calendar? I'm like, well, we're running a business. Uh, <laughs> and, and I still get so much done. So it's just crazy. Like it's just not, it's just not where my focus is. It's funny how that works. Uh, <laughs> but, but it'll cause like issues in our communication. And then it's like, it's not, that's not something I want to hold on to. Um, so stuff like that. And here's where I noticed an immediate impact by doing, especially that last one. Um, so I want to talk about forgiveness a little bit here as a distinction and then why this works. And then, cause I have done it on the macro stuff and I, here's what I noticed for me and Elon, these practices, right? You can be highly aware of like the bigger events in your life. It's like, how's my business producing? What is the, um, health of my relationships? How's my body doing, right? Like those are like the big, big things, right? But there's all these little micro things that are happening that are impacting the macro, right? So forgiveness, most people have a really tough time with forgiving stuff. They've had some kind of trauma in their life 
whether it's something that they've done, something that's been done to them, they can't seem to forgive themselves and they can't seem to forgive others. We say that people don't forgive easy because they have a distinction collapse and they have two things collapsed on top of each other. And what they have collapsed is that they have forgiveness and condoning as one and the same, as if I would forgive Elon for something, like I condone an action that he's done. And I don't see it that way at all. So for instance, like if, if a woman's been raped, um, I know it's kind of harsh, but like that woman is going to have an impact around that trauma, probably for the rest of her life. That's going to impact her, her relationships around men. That's going to impact the way she feels safety around men. That's going to impact the way she communicates around men. And that is not just in relationships. That could be like with her boss at work, which means that she can't like powerfully communicate or maybe ask for a raise or when she spends time with her father or spends time with her kids or anything like that, right? Because now that's like been programmed in. And the key to releasing things is your ability to complete and forgive them. Now, I don't condone rape. I don't know anybody who does, right? And if that woman does not forgive the actions of that individual who raped her, what she's doing and what we're all doing when we don't forgive people is we're drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Because we're the ones at the effect of that trauma. The other person is not. And we think like by like being angry or by like doing those things that we're punishing the other person in some way. And we're really not. We're just punishing ourselves. So forgiveness kind of goes both ways, right? And if you look at what I'm talking about, I, I would not condone that action. But I also understand that if she doesn't forgive that person, she doesn't forgive that situation. And a lot of times forgive herself because that's a lot of times women feel like at fault for putting themselves in that situation or something that happened then she's also going to be impacted by it for the rest of her life. And personal forgiveness is a super powerful thing. So if I give Elon like a, a loan, like a hundred thousand dollar loan and he can't pay me back, I have a choice to harbor that anger against Elon and hold it against him and keep, you know, attacking him and attacking him and attacking him. By the way, we have a situation right now uh, with a woman who was supposed to do our taxes last year, who decided to like fall off the face of the earth and didn't tell anybody. And now Elon and I are on the hook for thousands of dollars in fees with the IRS. And she's still nowhere to be found and not taking responsibility for it. Now, it's funny because we had this conversation with our accountant today and he was like talking about the price. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, I've already forgiven her. Like I'm done. I, I have no, I, I don't even want to like hold that against me because hold that against her because the energy that would take to be angry about that to get involved with all this. Actually, we're going to take the appropriate actions as we need to, but ultimately like it's, I'm already complete about it. Whatever happens, whether we paid, whether she, we, she pays it, whatever happens like that's, I'm already done because if I don't like, and I start investing all my time and being angry with this woman, like all this energy could go into something so much more productive and whatever it is that we have to settle out with the IRS, I can go build 10 X that, that amount yeah. by investing my time and energy by just like building something and I'm focusing on getting angry. So every day it's looping through my mind. So I've basically forgiven that debt already, right? Just like if Elon gave me a hundred grand, I have the option to forgive that debt, which means it's in the past. I don't get to bring it up again. I don't get to use it against him again, like nothing. And that's what forgiveness is. And again, like I'm not cool with him not paying me a hundred grand. I'm not cool with what she's done either. I don't condone it, but I'm done. Like I'm complete about it. So that distinction is really important. So I want to talk to you about like when you do the little micro thing, when you scan back through the last 24 hours and you think, where did I get triggered? Who pissed me off? When did I piss myself off? You know, when did I feel guilty? When did I feel shame? When did all this stuff come up for me? And you just like, like look at the either that person or you look at yourself and you say, I forgive you. 
and I forgive me, right? And you just keep going through that exercise. You're going to start feeling like a release. Like there's going to be, oh, wow, there, I didn't even realize that stuff was like pressing on me and pushing on me. So like in my relationship, I'm in this amazing, beautiful new relationship that's about five months old. And I noticed, you know, like, like any other person, like I live the way that I live. I like the things that I like. And uh, she's like staying with me a lot and she's in my space. And there's just like little differences in what we pay attention to, what I like, what she likes, et cetera. And there's like little things that like get me like, oh, I wish she didn't do that. Oh, okay. I wish she would like do that. Right. And again, like I'm super committed to just like amazing relationship with this woman, like loving the hell out of her showing compassion all the time. And I noticed that when I let those little things be there, like it's killing the possibility for that compassion. So, and there are things that I want to say to her about that to like, make sure that we're on the same page and like I have closure and she has closure and she has space to say. So I really, really, really don't like those conversations because so often like, let's say I like things organized a certain way and I do like things organized and somebody doesn't like, I feel petty and stupid being like, Hey, by the way, I really don't like when you, you know, X, Y, Z fill in the blank. And what I noticed is it comes out kind of like nasty ish. I'm not saying like, I say things nasty, but like nasty ish when I haven't forgiven her yet. It's like, I'm saying that so we can get to forgiveness. Like if there's agreement between us, like I'll get to forgiveness. But since I started doing the exercise, like I, I approached the conversation having already done that process. I don't even need agreement. I've already forgiven whatever the fuck I got angry about myself. So like I started approaching her the last few days with like, you know, different conversations we might have. And I just found like how my approach is from like just filled with compassion. And I get to say these things that normally I'd be like, oh God, do I really want to say that? Suddenly it's like just light and there's no like direct impact on her. She's just like, Oh, got it. Perfect. Got it. No problem. You know, just like boom, boom, done, done. And it's been such a awesome practice that I'm like, Holy crap. I can't believe I wasn't doing this before. Yeah. So that's been, that's been major for me. So that's kind of my morning routine now usually takes me about 90 minutes to two hours to complete all of that. Um, generally speaking, I don't like to schedule anything else during that time. Do things come up? Of course they do. There are there days where I don't get to complete my, my full thing. Of course there are. But I can tell you that there is, for me, for the first time ever, a direct correlation between my productivity, the growth of my company, and just like the general magic and serendipity that's been happening in my life that has seemingly become quite accelerated. I can't point to any one specific thing and say, this is the thing that's done that. But as a whole, this practice has made all the space available for this stuff to get created. Yeah, 100%. So I'll chime in because the forgiveness piece is definitely huge. I wanted Guy to definitely touch on that. So I'll walk you through mine. I, similar to Guy, uh, differences, I have kids. And so my kids were used to waking up at 7.30. Okay, this, this was as of last year. And so I gave myself an hour and a half routine. So I was waking up at six, I would meditate. At first, I started meditating for like 45 minutes to an hour and then reading for 30 minutes. Now I pretty much meditate for like 20, 25 minutes, and then I have an hour to read. <laughs> Unfortunately, my son, and this just tells you like how important this has become for me. My son started kindergarten and he now leaves the house at before 7.30. So meaning he's now waking up an hour earlier. So I had to move my entire morning routine an hour earlier to maintain the same thing that I was doing. So I now wake up at five in the morning to do my routine which is a massive adjustment for me. Like 
I'm not a good, like I told you, I really, really love sleep and I'm not really good at waking up. But having said that, I got the opportunity since last April to basically wake up early every day and do this routine. And because of it, when Shia started school in September of, of uh, this year, it was not a non-negotiable. Like, cause if I was still waking up at six, I really would only have that half hour. And even though I could meditate, I wouldn't be able to read. And that's just not, not good for me. Um, the difference between Guy and I, I actually prefer to read like a, a physical book in that morning time. I find that if I listen to audio for whatever reason, I will tend to like doze off and I don't really pay attention. Uh, the act of reading actually makes me focus a little bit more. So I find that to be interesting, but here's the deal. Like, I started reading for an hour every single day, a physical book. I also listen to uh, books. So like when I'm driving or at night or whatever. So I'm at the point right now where I'm pretty much finishing a book almost every 10 days, depending on the length of the book. So I went from reading like a book a month when we were, you know, entrepreneurial and like, I went from reading nothing to basically reading, you know, maybe like three, four books a year to then reading uh, a book a month to now read, knocking out a book like once every, you know, 10 or so days. My goal this upcoming year is I want to get down to a book a week at the very least. So my, my actual goal is 60 books in uh, this upcoming year. Could we just, uh, I'm going by the Jewish calendar here. Because we were creating what we wanted. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I mean, you could start whenever they want. Like, this is, you know, start the new year now. You don't fucking have to wait for the resolution. All right. So that's that. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Um, th- this is my, my thing about books. And then I'll talk to you about my thing about meditation. Here's my thing with books. When I read, I feel like I should be doing something else. Here's how I'm going to challenge you in that. Okay. All of you are here because you want new output in your life. You want something new to happen in your life. You're like looking for some new way, right? In order to have new output, you have to put new input. Nothing new is going to come out if you don't put nothing new in. So if you want to stick to the same shit that you've been doing, the same shit that pisses you off, the same shit that you're looking to change, keep doing the same thing. And by the way, I mean, we've spoken about this before. You've called all of this into your existence. All of it. Every experience, every thing, outcome, result that you are producing right now, that, my friend, is what you're committed to right now. So if you want to change, you have to put new stuff in. I want to be sharp. I want to constantly put stuff in this brain to figure out new ways of being and new processes and new things. And that's why books are like, if I could do nothing else all day, but read books or listen to audiobooks, that's honestly all I would do because it just makes you superhuman, really superhuman. So, and I used to hate reading books because I realized that like, I was just reading shitty books, books that made no difference to me, books that didn't move the needle for me. Right. And it's funny because I started a book club with a, a bunch of really high end entrepreneurs And the idea was that we all have all these books sitting on our shelves. Like, why don't we push each other to read more and then we can have a conversation about them, et cetera. So we all decided to choose uh, John D. Rockefeller's biography. 
And I haven't had an experience like this reading a book in probably the last three years. It was dreadful. Like it actually (laughs) feelings about not wanting to read. Like every time I went to push the audible button on my, on my phone to listen, I would just be like, Oh, do I really want to do this? And it got to the point that we're into this for like two weeks and I emailed these guys and I'm going, listen, maybe it's just me. And if it's just me, like I will put aside all my shit. But this book is a disaster for me. Like I haven't had this tough a time going through a book and I don't even remember how long. And like four of the guys immediately chime in. They're like, yeah, this book is painful. I'm like, why didn't you say anything? <laughs> we're like sucking it up and just reading this crappy ass book. So anyway, we changed it. And uh, it just made me realize like how good it is when you're reading books that actually you love versus just struggling through shit. If you're struggling through shit, just pick the next one. There's a million books out there. You should never struggle through these things. I felt that way about the Steve Jobs book. Same thing. Like like weeks of just listening to that freaking awfulness of him just yelling at people. Yeah, well, so here's the funny part. Like Steve Jobs, in, in, in respect to this, right, both uh, biographies, Steve Jobs actually spoke about Steve Jobs. This book is 38 hours of listening. And the, I'm not kidding you. The first eight hours was about his dad. I'm like, I don't give a shit about his dad. <laughs> right? It's like in his, in his cousin who became a minister. I'm like, I don't give a shit about them. I, Whatever. Don't get me started. So anyway, <laughs> switch books if they suck. Here's what I want to tell you about meditation. Okay? I meditate, I've been meditating for a while. Like, like years. And I was the on-off meditator. Like I would do some, I would not do some, I would do some, I would not do some. I can wholeheartedly tell you that I never felt the benefits of meditation until I started meditating every day. And I'm not taking away from anyone that meditates, you know, two, three times a week or anything like that. But I can tell you when I kind of map this out on every other thing in my life, right? And then watching my kids do every other thing in my life. If I work out two or three days a week versus working out five or six days a week, the results, I could be doing literally the same exact workout, like nothing different, but just the consistency of doing it more, I will be in infinitely better shape. I'm not talking like minute better shape. I'm talking like Insane shape. I couldn't agree more. The difference, right? between, the difference between a four four day week and five day week is just massive. It's massive, and it's yeah. just like that one extra thing. So then I looked at, for example, tennis. I'm a big, big tennis fan. So like in the winter, I really only get to play tennis once a week. Am I better when I play once a week or when I play three times a week? You bet your ass. Like when I play three times a week, I mean, I get to levels that like I just can't in the winter. Okay. Then think food. And this is my analogy for meditation. So if you are trying to eat healthy, okay, and you were, this is what you basically said, you know, like, I'm going to eat a salad three times a week. And the rest of the time, you're just going to eat shitty, you know, fried food, fast food, all this stuff. Do you honestly think that that salad is going to do anything for you? Nothing. Nothing, right? But like, if you ate a salad every single day of the week, you're going to see a massive, massive change in your body, right? So meditation has a compounding effect. So yesterday I posted a video. Yesterday we were fasting, certain Jews fast. I, 
honestly, I had I I don't do it for the religion. I'm I'm like the anti juju, um, but I did it for myself because I know that when you challenge your body and therefore you challenge your mind, what comes is this kind of like inner war, right? And this was by far, I mean, by far my easiest fast, like so easy that I could have gone to bed and waited till breakfast to eat again. That's how it was. And what I noticed was that just like in meditation, things would arise. And as they would arise, what happens is, how many of you guys relate to this? Your stomach starts to burble. Your stomach starts to hurt. What do you say to yourself? Mm-hmm. So your stomach starts to burble. Your stomach starts to like do this thing. What do you say to yourself? What's for dinner? I'm starving, etc. So all this disempowering chatter right away, and right? and all in any discomfort. So Guy and I at the live event, we do this incredible, like incredible exercise about releasing pain and releasing suffering and all this stuff. And I, we don't have time to get into it here, but basically you just focus on the sensation in your body. And the whole idea is to not add meaning to the sensation in the body. So when you meditate, right? Like if you're meditating and you sit, so for example, my knees hurt, right? And so when I first started meditating, my knees would naturally hurt. And then I would feel that pain and immediately your brain just focuses right on that pain. And you're like, oh, that hurts, pain, pain. I need to stretch. I need to stretch my legs. I need to do that, right? Because you associate that feeling in your knee with pain. Just like you associate that feeling in your stomach with I'm hungry, I'm starving, I need to eat, I need to put something in my mouth, right? Once you disassociate the feeling in the body from the thought what happens is the feeling in the body disappears. If you just notice it as a feeling like, oh, my stomach's doing that. That's interesting. Oh, my stomach has that. That's interesting. And so I was doing this and I had no more hunger. Like it would come up. I would just breathe through it, notice it and just go about my day. And it got to the point where like we were late in the day and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. The other insight I had, which if you guys didn't see my Facebook live, which I definitely want to share with you is this. I had a pretty interesting insight. I haven't even shared this with Guy. When you're fasting, right? Well, you're, if you're, if you're going to go out and play tennis, for example, you're going to need sustenance, right? Like your body's burned a whole bunch of stuff. You need to put stuff back in. When you're fasting and you know you're fasting, what you're trying to do is conserve as, as much energy as possible. So you're moving slower, you're talking less, you're doing as little as possible so that you don't need to expand that much energy, just like an animal, right? Like sloths, that's why they move so slow. They're trying to conserve energy. I had this kind of like weird thought where I thought, okay, well, I was driving behind some guy and he was driving really slow and the rea- I could see the reaction come up, right? The reaction of like, move your fucking ass. Let's go. People got this. <laughs> All that stuff. Like I could see that fucking. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not even going to give that energy because that's going to take away from mm. my energy. And usually, I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm hangry, I call it, 
like when I don't eat, I get my, my fuse goes like this and I get very short and I get very agitated and I'm like, get food in my body, et cetera. What I noticed here was I wasn't even allowing for the thought or the reaction to come up because in my head, I was like, is this thought or reaction worth my energy? Is this thing that I'm about to get all worked up about worth me expanding that energy? And as soon as I thought that, I was like, damn, that's fucking good. Like, why not do that every day? Mm -hmm. Right? Because think about this. Like, I'm either expanding energy on that. In this particular case, I was fasting. So I was trying to keep the energy here. But when you do that, when you have those kind of negative thoughts and reactions, et cetera, that's an energy. And if you have a, a tank this big every single day, and it's judgment, reaction, judgment, reaction, judgment, reaction. How much are you actually leaving in your tank to go and create the life that you actually want? Mm -hmm. So every thought or judgment you have about my life sucks, my relationship sucks, my health sucks, uh, this person sucks, that circumstance sucks. This is like... So tying back to what Guy said about forgiveness, right? The beauty of forgiveness, the, the true definition of forgiveness is you give up the right. You give up the right to bring that up again. When you forgive something, it's complete. It's done. And so when guy was saying like, he already forgave this bookkeeper of ours, it's because he no longer wants that thing to take any of his mind share and any of his energy because he knows that that energy used in another form We'll do 10x in revenue or whatever that we need to cover that tenfold. And it's not even worth it. So what I'm telling you guys is this. Give yourself 30 days. Like my wife was, was talking about, we were talking about again, like it's the Jewish New Year and you like, what are you going to work on this year, et cetera. And one of the things that came up for her is patience. You know, it's like she wants to be more patient. And I asked her flat out, I was like, what are you going to do this year to increase your patience? Like, give me an action. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more patient. How the fuck are you going to be more patient, right? Like, <laughs> explain that to me. That's true. I, I'm, and, and then the answer, I'm not making fun of her. I'm just saying like as human beings, like we say this shit all the time. I'm, I'm going to be more patient. How are you going to be more patient? I'm going to try harder. Bullshit. You don't know how to try harder. I'm going to focus on it more. You can't fucking focus on it more. You just can't. You need an action, right? Like we were talking today with these geniuses in productivity. And if someone says, I'm going to lose 100 pounds, it will never work. Never work. That's not a, a, a reasonable thing to create. I want to, I want to create $10,000 a month. Also bullshit. Like you can't do that. But if someone said, I'm going to walk every day for 10 minutes and then month over month increase that till I get to the point where I can walk for an hour straight, you think they're going to start losing weight? Goddamn right they're going to start losing weight. If someone wants to make 10 grand, right? Then instead of saying, I want to make $10,000, what about what skill would actually help me get to $10,000. For example, like for us, we were marketers, right? So maybe it's learning Facebook marketing. Okay. So I'm going to invest an hour every single day learning one new thing about Facebook marketing. 
Do you think that person eventually is going to get to making 10 grand? You bet your ass. There's an actual thing. So my, my thing for this year is I want to be smarter. I want to like have more stuff in here to be able to share and make a greater impact. You know what the how-to on that is? Read more books. So I'm committed to finishing a book a week, right? Very achievable goal. I mean, I'd like to get to 100 books, but 60 is my number, right? So the only way to do this, guys, is to dedicate 30 days to give it a try. At first, when I started waking up, it was hell. I'm not even kidding you. Like the first two weeks, I wanted to kill somebody. Because what happens is you're, you have a circadian rhythm, and that circadian rhythm is focused, is, like, is, is set. You can shift it, but that shift takes a lot. Usually, 8 p.m. was like prime time for me. I was like, let's fucking do this. Now I have to tell you, it takes a lot for me to be this focused and just like on. Because my brain, I've been up since 5 a.m. My brain at 8 p.m. is like, (laughs) it's not, it's not all that there. And it's still worth it, right? Like now I've gotten to the point where I can do all of this stuff. So if you're just going to meditate and that's what you want to start with, five, 10 minutes in the morning, 30 days straight, do not miss a day. It's not like I take the weekends off. Bullshit. Give yourself that opportunity, at least to do that. It's like going to the gym. If you don't do it consistently, you'll never see the results. Mm. I also would add to that the reading of the book. So like if you can expand the time and just wake up, you know, start with 15 minutes earlier, then push it to 30 minutes earlier. And if you could like, you know, meditate for 10, 15 minutes, read for 10, 15 minutes, you're going to feel so different you're going to respond differently. Different things are going to come out of your mouth. And guys, that's how you manifest transformation in your life. And, and you know, when people are like, I don't have time for this, that's like saying, I don't even know what the analogy I can give you. It's like, I don't have time to eat. This is the most important thing. The most important thing for you manifesting your dream life, right? You feed food to move your body so you can walk and do all the droney things in life. Like feed this, Mm -hmm. this will get you way bigger results than just this. Well, everybody talks about mind, body, and soul, right? And when we talk about having it all, how would one even achieve that if you're not taking the time every day to train both mind, body, and soul, right? And And that really is it. Like these systems they want to work in sync, but mostly your mind has one belief. Your body has another belief. You have, don't even know about spirit yet and all this kind of different things. So it's just so important to do this. I, I can drop a, a blog post I wrote in here. So I do uh, at least once a year, sometimes twice a year even. I, I stop eating food for 10 days and I do pure liquid, not even juice. I do just like water. It's uh, this water, maple syrup and lemon concoction with a little bit of cayenne pepper. And I wrote an article about it because around the six or seven day mark, you, you break your, your uh, addiction to food. Like you just no longer want it. Like it not necessary. Body doesn't crave it. Mind doesn't ask for it. Spirit doesn't give a shit about it. 
so much to the point where you're convinced that you don't need it anymore. Like, and then people have gone on to be inside uh, this liquid diet for like months at a time. And you can totally sustain it by the way. Uh, I met a guy in uh, Vegas, by the way, who didn't eat food for 62 days, liquid water only, only water granted lost a lot of weight, all that kind of stuff. But you know, what's what was interesting for me in that experience is nobody thinks this food is an addiction. Like no, it's sustenance. Right. But you know, what's funny about it. I didn't miss the food fairly quickly. What I missed was chewing this, like the oral fixation stuff, like doing something with my mouth, like having salt flavor in my mouth. That was like these weird little things. And what it had me see was imagine what else you're addicted to. You know, like, again, I think I talked about this the other night too on GAZ, yeah. like coffee is an addiction that nobody really considers. Coffee is a myself huge coffee. Like now I've kind of introduced it a little bit, but I'm way, I'm way more responsible with how I put it into my body because I'm aware that I can overshoot my um, adrenal glands and it has a complete reverse effect. And most people are running on it like addiction. They're not running. And, and when you use it effectively, it's a nootropic. It enhances the brain. Whew, it enhances the brain. But when you've been just abusing it for so long, you forget that. It's why you, it's why you want to take breaks. In fact, like uh, I will do something like a fast every single day, pretty much. I do what's called interval fasting. Intermittent. Interval, intermittent, whatever. So intermittent fasting, um, I won't eat about 16 hours every day. So I don't eat from about 8 p.m. is usually my cutoff, and I usually have my first meal around 2 p.m. So I pretty much give my body a pretty long period of time every single day to like process, get everything out, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And, and I can tell you it's made, as far as my personal health, as far as my energy, uh, my mental aptitude, all of it through the roof. Right. And then again, like just focusing on little things, like it's amazing what education can do when you start understanding the things that you're putting in your body. Most of you guys don't know that the toothpaste you're brushing with every day has fluoride and it creates apathy in the brain and it slows you down. Not to mention you're slowly poisoning yourself. Uh, most of you guys don't realize that the deodorants you're using have metals in them, aluminum, and that aluminum and metals can get into your brain and they get between your left and your right uh, um, the step, the brainstem basically that has your brain communicate. And it's basically slowly severing the tie between that. We call that Alzheimer's by the way. Right. And all these little things, and you can take these out of your regular day to day stuff that you're using. And I can't tell you over time how big of a difference it makes. Like you, your systems start waking back up. So it's interesting. Like everything's interesting that when you take action towards a specific area of your life, how other things open up, you're like, Oh, I wonder what else I'm doing this in. Oh, I wonder what else I'm doing this in. And it's interesting to test yourself. Elon and I are not doctors, right? However, I could tell you every time that we've pushed ourselves into something that's like, I don't want to wake up earlier. Okay, well, what happens if I wake up earlier? I used to, I used to smoke cigarettes. So what happens if I stop quitting, if I stop smoking cigarettes? Not because it's like, you need a reason. That's the thing. These are reasonless acts. They really are. But in the intrigue, if you can create consistent intrigue in your life, like I'm interested in, think about the way that kids operate. A child that wakes up just like, ah, Tuesday, they don't even know what Tuesday means. But it's like, Elon's shaking his head, he's got two. They're just like so excited. It's like exploration, exploration. What are we getting for? What are we getting, right? Like all day long. That's like, that's just the attitude. Now imagine if you just bring inquiry back into your life as a state of being. I'm someone who inquires. I'm someone who's curious. 
you're going to be really curious about the stuff that you're doing in your life and how you're being that's killing off your ability to inquire into new areas of your life. And I'm telling you everything that you're quote unquote addicted to is killing off something else in your life. They would push you towards the life that you actually want. Right? So it, this is actually a really easy exercise for everybody. No matter what area of life you wrote down in your notebook, Ask yourself whether it's a relationship. Everything is a relationship, by the way, right? Relationship to people, relationship to yourself, health, religion, money. It's all relationships. Ask yourself about your relationship to that thing and ask yourself, what's my point of view on that thing? And like, be honest, like brutally honest. Like if you have a wife and your point of view is like, she talks too much (laughs) or she's too bossy. That's your point of view. Get fucking honest with that shit. That thing is killing off that relationship. Yeah. And the thing that you wish your relationship was to that thing would be available to you and possible if you gave up that point of view. Period. That point of view is what's destroying your ability to have the relationship that you want with that thing, person, or experience. Promise you. So things are as as easy as asking yourself, what's my point of view? Right. So for like Gina, if your point of view is like, I don't have time, guess what? What's killing off the possibility of creating a brand new life for yourself? I don't have money. It's killing some off possibility off. And it's not like the context is going to change. Like if you're like, well, okay, well, how do I change my context about that? It really is just that simple. Just have a different conversation about time. Have a different conversation about money. And then from that place, inquire and investigate what does life look like from that place? From when I have this point of view, what becomes available? You'll notice that things just start shifting on their own. The point of view you have about life, the point of view you have about someone else paints your entire world. So I want to give you an analogy. And for those of you that live in the US, this will be very close to home. For those that live outside, I'm sure this is all you probably hear about also. So we have an election going on in this country. And I think South Park said it best. We're choosing between a giant douche and a turd sandwich. (laughs) Um, But uh, here's what's interesting. Both of these people are absolute ass bags. And I, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. They are like just horrible human beings. Um, you have one who's just like the most egotistical devil. I don't, I don't even know how to say it. And the other one who is just like a professional political scam artist. I don't, I don't even know like what else to say, like a cr- professional political criminal. I mean, like one's like the biggest douchebag and one's, like, you know, so here's what's funny. I watch the debates. Okay. And as much as, you know, whatever, I'm going to give you my political thing right here. You can hate me or not, whatever. I know we all have differing opinions and this is what's going to be really interesting. So I personally think that Donald Trump is like the worst human being possibly on the planet. Like I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a human being with more horrible qualities than that one man. Um, to the point that when Guy and I were doing our branding thing and it's like, who, who is like the antithesis of what you guys are? And literally within like 0.2 seconds, both of us were like Donald Trump. Like that's how much I think he's like the antichrist. <laughs> okay. He's up, there. he's up there. Right. So, so follow me. I listen to these debates, okay? And during the debates, no one listens to the debates and like with an open mind and is like, 
tell me something new, Donald. Like, I would love to see this new point of view. No, because I'm listening to this filter of fucking devil antichrist. Everything he says out of his mouth is like more proof for my story that he sucks as a human being, right? Now, other side, people fucking hate Hillary Clinton and they're justified in doing so. I'm like, they are 100% justified. She's a crazy psycho bitch. I listen to her right? Because I'm like, listen, I have to vote for her. So I listen to her through the goggles of like, well, she sounds educated. You know, at least she sounds good. She's, she, she sounds like she makes sense. She sounds like she has some human characteristics. But other people that hate her as much as I hate Donald Trump, they listen to her and they're just like livid devil, like heinous human being who's destroyed lives and is going to destroy this country and blah, blah, blah. Right. And just because our perspectives and nothing changes, no one shows up to listen to the debate to be open-minded and be like, Oh my God, you know what? Hillary does sound educated. Maybe I should change my mind. No. Right. So here's what I want you guys to get. You do this with every single human being in your life. You do this with your spouse. You do this with your kids. You do this with your boss. You do this with your friends. You do this with us. You guys have a certain listening of us, right? And that's a good, like, you have a great listening of us. And because you have a great listening of us, you chose to spend your time and come here. And you listen to the words that come out of our mouths and you get value from it. Because you come in with an outlook like these guys have something to deliver to me and you're sitting there and just waiting. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We're not the first people to tell you these things in your life. In fact, people have been telling you some of this shit for a long time. And you don't listen. And you know why you don't listen? Because you have a preconceived notion of who they are. For many, many years... I had a story that my dad was trying to control my life, constantly telling me what to do. And it got so bad that when I actually realized it, I realized that he could literally stand in front of me, hug me and tell me that he loves me. And all I heard was stop trying to fucking control me. Right. What I'm doing with Donald Trump, I do with other people in my life. You do with other people in your life. If, if I can share with you this, this thing, I know it's so hard. It's like beginner's mind. Buddha talks about this all the time. When you meet someone for the first time at a coffee shop or you go out to dinner and you're on a date, you're interested. You're blank slate and you're interested. You listen differently. Fast forward six months later or a year later, and that person is doing the same thing they did at the dinner table that first time, but now it fucking makes you unhinged. Why? Because you created a story. You created some preconceived notion of glasses that you put on. I'm going to put on my funny glasses, right? And it taints the world. And the only way they can show up is the way through your glasses, through your perception. So if you guys want magic in your life, that forgiveness exercise is an absolute amazing way to just take these things right off. Because when you forgive someone and you let them forgive you in this exercise, that goes away and you can 
participate with them newly. You created a listening for, from us, for us, and that listening is what has you listened to us a particular way. And, if and that's what allows us to give you as much value as we can, give you our experiences and share with you the things that we've learned. Yeah, if we Absolutely. walked into the middle of New York City right now and we're, we're saying the same exact thing, you realize that people would be like, shut the fuck up, you crazy nutbags. Like you get that, right? So it's your listening, it's your creation of us that allows for this to happen. You want people to be magnificent in your life, create them as magnificent. You want people to be wise, create them as wise. Watch how they shine. For any of you guys that have kids, you know this is true. Your kids will only show up the way that you allow them to show up. You want to protect them, keep them small, safe, etc. That's how they're going to be. You want to let them soar and fly and do all that stuff. That's how they get to be. And that's your responsibility. So when we're talking about these morning routines and all that stuff, like the beauty of meditation is that you react differently. You react slower. You allow time and space for people to show up as they are. And it is an unbelievable thing. Like I watch my wife react with my kids and I can see I would normally have that same reaction, but I have that like two extra seconds to just kind of look at it and go, do I really want to react this way? No, I don't. Bye. And while she's getting all like, I'm just like calm as a Hindu fucking cow. (laughs) Well, I just want to say like, you know, what creates all this, the space for all this is your level of commitment to something. And understanding that the things that you're being right about are killing your ability to create that commitment in your life. And that commitment needs to be so big for you that whatever shows up in your space, whatever you're going to spend time trying to be right about really loses significance. Like, well, that doesn't matter. Right. So like, again, I'll just use what happened today with us, with this woman and the IRS and it's thousands of dollars. We're not talking about little money. Like we could go on a nice vacation, like a nice vacation both of us. And I'm not committed to anger anymore. I'm not committed to hanging on to negativity anymore. And again, like imagine if like throughout the day, I was like fucking, fucking woman, fucking woman. I got to fucking pay things to my fucking bank account. Like, and that's the way I'm going through life. Instead of like being present, being there for my, like uh, my clients being there and coaching and participating, you know, having creative thoughts about what I create and exit, all that stuff takes time. And, and a lot of you guys don't understand how in the physicalness of your thoughts actually are not just appearing in physical thoughts, but like are impacting you. Your negative thoughts are impacting the molecular structure of your body. Elon and I strongly believe that stress and negativity cause cancer beyond the, the, of course there's external factors that can do that also, but mostly it's people's worry, right? Disease, dis-ease, a lack of ease in your life creates cancer. And most people I know that don't have a lot of stress in their life. have not dealt with a lot of, Sickness in their life. It's just how it is. People who are like hypochondriacs have a lot of stress about that. Guess why? Sick all the time, right? They attract it to themselves. They create it within themselves. So it's just so amazing and so simple, really. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, and it's just, again, like in, 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 in the spirit of inquiry, nothing else. When you're having a conversation, your parents are the most difficult things for you to ever be with. Like people always talk about spirituality. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're at the top of the fucking mountain. You're spiritual. You're in Bali. You're spiritual. Go spend a week with your parents. Go spend a week with your family. You will find out how spiritual you are like 
You think you're at 10, you're going to be at a fucking two in like a day. <laughs> right? It's like, boom. Ah. However, like, ultimately, again, it comes down to what are you committed to? Your family always tells you the way that you are. They, they really do. They, re- they, they know who you are more than anybody else, which is why it triggers you so damn much. Because your identity is constructed in such a way that it defends itself. So it hides itself from your view and that's killing your power. Yeah. So when your family, seriously, this is just an inquiry to take on. When your family tells you there's some way, you're some way and you find yourself being defensive, something you might want to try is creating a trap door that when I'm defensive, whatever it is that I'm defensive about, I'm saying I'm not. I'm here to break the news to you. You are. Like, I can't tell you, even yesterday with that thing came up between me and Elon, the moment I find myself defensive about something, I know that I got to go to work on that thing immediately. And I drop the whole fucking thing. Like, how long did that take yesterday between, like, usually where I would get, you know, on it about something, just like, boom, just right to the next thing. Because I've now created that if I get defensive, I'm the one that's the asshole. <laughs> like, that's a context for living for me because I, I've found that that's so true. My yeah. identity is not that. Yes, I am immediately yes i am and it's like the more immediate i go from no i'm not to yes i am the 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 immediate profound ability to create breakthrough in that area of life and then go right back to what i'm committed to because the other way is just not worth it it's not worth it and again it's not about not ever falling off balance it the game really is how quickly do you get back on balance and keep moving forward and keep making those little adjustments and that's what balance is and it's everything. So do we want to stop there? Do you have anything else to say? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's uh, that's actually more than I thought we were going to yeah. go through. Love you guys. And for all of you that it was your first time, thanks so much for coming. Keep coming back. And uh, peace, guys. Have a great day. Yeah. Enjoy your week. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family. And truly, truly, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, Just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all, and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends.